and gentlemen, Harper Lee published To Kill a Mockingbird in 1960. Her novel immediately became a huge success. Every public school assigns this book at some point. It's about racial prejudice in southern states. Yankee liberals probably enjoy the many shortcomings of Confederate losers. Harper Lee is what people now call a savage. If she's annoyed by something you're doing, she will rewrite the script so you fall down the steps and die. The best example is a spectacular display of sarcasm, a page or two of it, which ridicules the pomposity of so-called progressive education. Most teachers are themselves progressive educators, so of course they rarely notice what's actually going on. The setup is that Scout, the, the narrator, is age six and headed for the first day of school. I never looked forward more to anything in my life. Scout is more than ready. She and Atticus, the wonderful Gregory Peck character, discuss the newspapers every night from front to back. Scout is already an exceptional reader. Of course, any teacher would welcome such a student. But Miss Caroline is 21 and has just graduated from a modern school of education. The date, by the way, is the late 1930s. Depression is hitting everybody hard. But at least this small town in Alabama has an apostle of the new road to reading. Scout relates, open quote, then she went to the blackboard and printed the alphabets in enormous square capitals, turned to the class and asked, does anybody know what these are? Scout continues, as I read the alphabet, a faint line appeared between her eyebrows. And after making me read most of my first reader and the stock market quotations from the mobile register, she discovered that I was literate and looked at me with more than faint distaste. Miss Caroline told me to tell my father not to teach me any war. It would interfere with my reading. Scout tried to explain that she was an early reader. Miss Caroline apparently thought she was lying. Open quote, Let's not let our imaginations run away with us, dear. You tell your father not to teach you anymore. It's best to begin reading with a fresh mind. You tell him I'll take over from here and try to undo the damage. Scout says, ma'am? The teacher says, your father does not know how to teach. You can have a seat now. At lunch, Scout tells her brother how distressed she is, open quote. That damn lady says Atticus has been teaching me to read and for him to stop it. The brother says not to worry, open quote. Our teacher says Miss Caroline is introducing a new way of teaching. You don't have to learn much out of books that way. It's like if you want to learn about cows, you go milk one, see? It's called the Dewey Decimal System. Scout explained that the Dewey Decimal System consisted of Miss Caroline waving cards at us on which were printed the, cat, rat, and you. Open quote. I was bored, so I began writing a letter to a friend. Miss Caroline caught me writing and told me to tell my father to stop teaching me. Besides, she said, we don't write in the first grade, we print. 
you won't learn to write until you're in the third grade. Close quote by the teacher. 1960, when the book appeared, was the depths of the greater literacy crisis brought on by the idiocy that Miss Caroline is pushing at a young girl who can read at college level. But Miss Caroline does not see the absurdity of her curriculum. Part of the joke is that the Dewey Decimal System is for librarians, thanks to Melville Dewey. But the theory in the classroom is by John Dewey, the famous educator who knows everything about teaching children. Short words printed on pieces of paper is the central gimmick of sight words. People who learn with sight words are truly victims. Reading with ease and pleasure, like Scout, is virtually impossible unless someone has a photographic memory. In closing, sight words cripple literacy so much that our education establishment works full time to keep this fraud in the classrooms. My conclusion is that the professors of education fully understand the power of literacy and they don't want too many Americans to possess it. Thank you. Overview. Let's Fix Education explores seven of my favorite themes. First, this podcast is a meditation on what I call the K-12 crime scene. So many destructive ideas. Understanding them is the key to fixing them. Two, by doing that we will have better schools at less cost. Three, nothing much changes decade to decade. The big questions of the 1930s were the big questions of the 1960s and the 1990s. Any subject we discuss can easily intersect with any other subject. Most people instinctively want traditional education. But the education establishment fills classrooms with progressive gimmicks. The result is that we have a standoff, and that's why you run into the same ideas over and over. Four, the big brains in education keep telling students, don't bother memorizing this or that. You can look it up later. B.B. King, comma, the great guitarist, is much smarter, he said. The beautiful thing about learning is nobody can take it away from you. 5. Lenin's ghost wanders through our school system. The hard left thinks big. If they have to kill millions of people to build their perfect society, that's okay. Same goes for dumbing down millions of students. Totalitarians want power. They will do anything to get it. 6. If we are going to survive, we have to take each child to his or her limit. As it is, we are creating millions of sub-educated students from K right through college. 7. Analyzing education, especially dysfunctional education, is a lot more intellectually interesting than most people suppose. You'll enjoy this. Finally, P.S. My book, Saving K-12, runs parallel to everything discussed on this podcast. I also have an education site improve-education.org with 70 articles that complement everything discussed here. And I have hundreds of articles on the internet. Enter a topic in Google with my full name, Bruce Dietrich Price, and let Google make suggestions. Thank you for visiting.